with Kate Wheeler, and you are listening to what she said on 105.9 The Region. Today's show is brought to you by Meridian Credit Union, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Did you know that two million people in Canada suffer from osteoporosis, I did not. I did not know that. Well, Amgen Canada, though, recently hosted Break Records Not Bones, an event to help increase awareness about osteoporosis, and they wanted to set a Guinness World Record title for the most osteoporosis screenings conducted in a 24-hour period. Did they do it? Well, we're going to find out, and we're going to talk to the executive medical director at Amgen Canada about who is at risk and how you can take charge of your bone health. Have you heard of ergocentric seating systems? No, but I wish I had. No, if Fancy chairs, fa- founded in 1990, specifically to manufacture ergonomic seating that helps support your body throughout the workday. We're going to learn more about their 100% fit program and being able to fit almost anyone, including those with physical ailments and disabilities, with the ideal office chair. And it's so important because we sit too much. Yep. Film critic Ann Brody has the latest movie and TV reviews in Saturday Night at the Movies. Plus, she got to sit down with Mina Masood, who plays Aladdin in the all-new live-action remake. And he grew up in Markham. Pretty cool. Absolutely. Now, without a doubt, jewelry is one of the most personal and special gifts one can receive or give to themselves and others. We are going to have a chat with the founder of With Love, Darling, Elizabeth Crosley Wright. Now, she is the first designer to merge the world of fashion and sustainability. And she recently secured a coveted 2019 Canadian Arts and Fashion Award nomination. And closing out the show in our live studio sessions, we have Tamar Elana. She's a four-time Canadian Folk Music Awards nominee and has just released a new multilingual album. And I believe we are going to be hearing flamenco. Ooh. So stay tuned and don't forget to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. And you can visit our website, that's whatshesaidtalk.com, where you can watch videos with our guests, read blogs, and download our Apple podcast. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So let's get... A a Meridian five-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, not many people are aware that two million people in Canada suffer with osteoporosis. So on May 5th, Amgen Canada hosted Break Records Not Bones, an awareness event um, about osteoporosis. Now to find out what we need to know about the event... And taking care of our bone health, we are joined by Ponda Motsepe Dicego, who is the executive medical director at 
Amgen Canada. Welcome to What She Said, Ponda. Thank you very much. Now, I know Amgen set out to break the Guinness World Record of most osteoporosis screenings in 24 hours. How did break records not bones do? We did exceptionally well. We did break the record. Oh, you did! Yes, we did. Thank you very much. And it was truly a tremendous effort, both by the team and many different countries. We had more than ten countries in the world participate. It was around. I didn't realize it was a global. Yes, it was also a global approach as well as a Canadian approach. So, from a Canada perspective, we aimed to screen three hundred, and uh, we managed to screen five hundred and fifty-three. And uh, globally, we wanted to screen set more than 3,000, and we ended up screening 7,000. So tell us about the screening itself. Yeah. Who should have it done and when? Right. So maybe just to take a step back and just talk about some stats for osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. So we know that one in three women um, will or may suffer from osteoporosis and also one in five men. I think very often the myth is that, you know, this is a disease that only affects women, but it does affect men as well. In Canada, as you mentioned, you know, more than two million Canadians have Mm -hmm. uh, or suffer from osteoporosis. And it's a silent disease. It's also known as um, a silent thief because you don't feel it, right? You don't see it until you break a bone. So the aim of the event that we had um, down in Mississauga a couple of weeks ago was really to increase awareness around Mm -hmm. this disease. Mm -hmm. So what we did is we had a screening day. Uh, The screening that was done was more of a, it was a heel screening, which is not your diagnostic typical way of confirming osteoporosis. It was more of a signal. Um, And it was basically an ultrasound of the heel bone. And, um, of the heel. Why, why the heel? Well, the, the, the test that the uh, Guinness World Record uh, had decided to conduct was based on that. Mm-hmm. But this is, again, like I'm uh, affirming, this is not your diagnostic way of confirming osteoporosis. It was a way of signaling. So if you if you do feel or, or think that you might have osteoporosis, it's important to go to a healthcare professional with a medical facility that has, you know, a DEXA scan that will do would be able to do a full assessment of, of your diagnosis of osteoporosis. Well, I mean, you can't see or feel bone loss, right? So right. when should you start being checked for it? So, you know, bone loss kind of starts in your 30s, but at the age of 50 for both men and women, for women especially because that's when menopause co- mm-hmm. uh, sort of kicks in, um, it's really important to be screened. Mm-hmm. Do people get it earlier than that? Well, generally we say that bone loss starts at about the age of 30. It can start uh, at the age of 30. Um, but generally, no. When when diagnosis or when when osteoporosis is often uh, diagnosed or we see the burden of this disease in men and women at the age of 50 and above. Can it be reversed? Can it be stopped? Can it be reversed? Can it be stopped? Um, that's a difficult one. I, I, I don't believe that it can be reversed. However, it can be managed. There are treatment options. There's multiple treatment options. There are many drugs available on the market to manage and treat um, your osteoporosis. But again, you know, every individual uh, needs to have their own tailored approach. You need to make sure that you're screened by your physician uh, or your healthcare professional or your family physician and, and know your status. So, uh, now you said it affects men. Um, Does it affect men and women equally? Because I always thought it had a lot to do with hormones around 
the time of menopause for women. Yeah. So it does affect, we see it more in women than in males. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, because in women, osteoporosis normally happens during menopause, mm -hmm. and that happens in the 50s. And um, that is why it's, it's seen probably more in females than in men. So what about um, if you're on HRT, so you're getting the estrogen that's replaced. Does that help in with cases of osteoporosis? Yeah. So it, you know, every individual, every patient is is an individual, mm -hmm. and um, your your healthcare professional needs to make that assessment. So even though I am a physician, I'm not a treating physician, and you know, I always encourage patients who have are at that age to make sure that they go and get screened. And this is why we had the awareness day mm -hmm. because, as I said, this is a silent disease. It's known as a silent thief. A lot of people don't know about it. There's many myths around who has it. But the idea is that if you are in that age group, you need to go and you need to speak to your healthcare professional or your treating physician and ask to be screened. So what are the consequences um, of osteoporosis? I, I would gather fractures broken bones, hips? Absolutely. So we know that osteoporosis uh, happens commonly in, uh, well, rather, let, let me take a step back. We know that fractures happen commonly in the hip, um, in the wrist, and in the spine or the vertebra. And um, this, these are the sites where you most often would have fractures. So it's mm -hmm. really important that you are screened when you're in that age group where we know that the burden of disease is potentially higher. Um, and, and the consequences can be dire. The consequences can affect your quality of life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people who suffer from osteoporosis have a very low self-esteem. You know, they become in, less independent because, you know, they require more help to get around. And that can really affect their mood and their quality of life. For the long term, though, through a lifetime, are there things that people can do, um, and, and I agree they should be screened, foods that they can eat, things that they can concentrate on to sort of maybe prevent yeah. the acceleration of the onset? So again, you know, each patient needs to be tailored mm -hmm. to, to their specific treatment based on what their health, uh, health healthcare professional or physician says. But yes, you know, there are certain lifestyle modifications that can be looked at. Um, exercise is one, but again, you need to make sure that it's tailored to you. A weight, you know, weight bearing, bearing exercise, or strength, right. um, a muscle strengthening exercise. But again, it's got to be tailored specifically to, to individuals. Mm -hmm. And what about, where, where, what's the stand on, on supplements these days? Yeah, so it, there's been a lot of controversy yes. around supplements and controversy around, around calcium in particular. Um, it's very difficult to say. Each patient is, is, is mm. different. You know, I think the best thing to do is to make sure that you speak to your healthcare professional. They do a proper assessment on you and your medical conditions, understanding what other uh, medical conditions you may have and find the best treatment option for yourself. But again, you know, I think um, the, the, the message that we as Amgen wanted to to display to our community here in Canada is that this is an, a serious uh, illness and it's a disease that has a high unmet need. You know, I've shared the stats with you. Mm -hmm. um, we also know that osteoporosis fractures actually are higher than stroke, cardiovascular and cancer combined here in Canada. Really? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the stats are alarming and it's really, really important that we, you know, take control of our health and speak to your treating physician. Ask your family physician to please make sure that they screen you for osteoporosis.
Is it a blood test? Is it how how is a proper screening done? So a proper screening is done in a medical facility. Mm-hmm. It's a scan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called a DEXA scan, and basically they scan your spine and your um, hip. And um, the, what what they do from the BMD, uh, the bone mineral density scan, you will then get a scoring. It's we call it a T score, and based on whether your T score is minus one or less, um, you get an assessment. If it's more than one, then you get an assessment. But I. Ideally, what you want is your T-score to be more or above minus one to say that your bone density is good and strong. How often should you be tested? So it depends. Again, Again. it it depends on where your risk is. You know, if you're low risk, um, according to our guidelines of 2010, uh, um, you can be reassessed less often. But if you're moderate to high risk, you need to have more reassessments um, by your physician. So maybe every one to three years, etc. Mm. So would you recommend people having a check at, let's say, 35? Just to see, just so you have a baseline? It it depends because, you know, there's no single cause of osteoporosis. Um, You know, there's multiple things that can affect that. Diet, uh, drugs, you know, Mm -hmm. other causes, what we call secondary osteoporosis, causes of secondary osteoporosis. Um, What we do know is that the burden of the disease is within that 50-year age age group, and that's probably the best time. Okay, where can people go to find uh, information? And resources. Well, um, there's lots of information on um, Osteoporosis Canada, um, Amgen as well. Um, we have information on um, osteoporosis because we do have treatment a treatment option for for osteoporosis. So you can go to our Amgen Canada website. Excellent, Ponda Motsepetichego. Thank you very much Thank for you enlightening very much, us, ladies. I hope that was useful. <laughs> What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Let me tell you about my friend Alfred. Alfred has truly revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You see, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services are here to help. They include wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your garments off with your concierge or at any Penguin pickup location in the GTA, and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more today at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time discount by entering the promo code WHATSHESAID. Looking for a better brunch? We found it for you at Draco Restaurant, inside the spectacular brand new Toronto Marriott Markham on Enterprise Boulevard. All your delicious brunch favorites, plus signature cocktails, every Sunday from 10 till 2. Take our word for it, you'll love the space and you'll love the food. It's easy to reserve now on opentable.ca or call 905-489-1400. Elevate your brunch Sundays at Draco. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. 
It's a very proper heading, the importance of ergonomically correct office workstations. And it's all about proper posture. So to explain, Terry Cassidy, owner and founder of Ergocentric, and Lynn Hatt, certified ergonomic specialist and owner of Ergolinks, are in studio with us today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank now, Lynn, let's start with you with the goal. Why is it important to have an ergonomically correct workspace? Workplace. Workplace. Well, to start with, when you're spending so much time as we do in a, an office environment or at work, you want to be as comfortable as possible. Um, and if you look at something um, absenteeism compared to presenteeism, there's a huge, huge impact with, with your uncomfortable sitting and your ergonomic setup. So, Terry, what is an ergonomically correct office workspace made up of? Well, it's a, the desk and the chair are the primary components. Sounds reasonable. Mm -hmm. And they have to be designed to be ergonomic to fit the person that's using them rather than the person adapting to whatever happens to be there. Define ergonomic in your world. In my world, ergonomics is, in layman's terms, is, is fitting the task to the worker. So my job as an ergonomic specialist would be to go in there and to identify if there were any possible um, issues going on um, that need to be corrected, um, if they're sitting improperly that are going to put themselves in jeopardy of, of injury. We hear and we know that we should have an ergonomic office chair, but what does it really mean? Well, it means finding one that's right for you. So right the big you. problem that's happening out there is companies need to hire interior design firms when they're setting up huge new office space. The interior design firms tend to specify chairs based on what they look like. And right. because they want a uniform look, everybody gets the same chair. And not everybody is different. Everybody's different. So at least 30% of people in almost every office is sitting in a chair that's not right for them at all. You and must that's creating hear this problems. story all the time. Every day. So, but I mean, if you have to um, suit a, a worker's and employee's size, their dimensions, uh, I would guess men and women probably even sit differently in, in a chair. How can you do that and get consistency across a huge office space? Well, our whole company is built on this. My wife was a physiotherapist. That's how I got into this business. So we have a modular manufacturing system, it's mass customization. So our chairs are very adjustable. So one chair fits many, many people. But what we say is for the outliers, the people who our chair doesn't fit, we can change the seat size, change the gas lift, change anything that's needed to fit people who are harder to fit. What is the part of the body that's most um, strained in a non-ergonomically friendly chair for low, eight hours? Low back, uh, your neck and shoulders, because if there's not sufficient uh, support in either of those regions, then your posture is going to be affected. You're either going to have front flexion uh, with just your, your body fatiguing throughout the day from sitting in that, that uh, awkward posture for the majority of the day. You provide services to offices and manufacturing sectors, right? Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit about that role and, and what an ergonomist does, and if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Ergonomist. Ergonomist. Yes. <laughs> okay, ergonomist. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. so exactly how do you, how do you, if I want, I want my employees to have great chairs. What, what do I do? 
So an assessment would consist of an interview with with uh, one on one with the employee or what I would call the end user, mm -hmm. and just come up with some uh, some ideas for them to minimize their opportunity of, of injury. We would do anthropometric measurements. Anthropometric is your body measurements, mm -hmm. and you were mentioning men versus women and how they would sit differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because their their actual structure, their uh, musculoskeletal system, which are your bones and your tendons and such, are completely different and in the seated posture specifically. So Terry, tell us a little bit about the chair. Lynn's sitting in, in, in one of your chairs and it looks very nice, very tasteful, very comfortable, I assume. Mm, yes. So what are the key differences between that and, and, and the lovely chair I'm sitting in? <laughs> well, yours is a guest chair that's completely un, uh, unadjustable, but this one has, for example, arm caps that adjust inward from the top. Mm -hmm. So many females have wider at the hip and slender at the shoulders. So when right. you sit in the chair, the arms have to start off wide, but then you can move the arm caps in to oh, fully so support you your rest. arms. So fully supporting your arms t actually takes weight off your neck and shoulders and allows you to stay upright. So it reduces the and work activity of staying upright. And for your hands if you're working on, a, mm -hmm. on a, your keyboard. Yes. Right. And then we, we make different sizes of seats, so down to very tiny seats to fit everybody. So you need the right seat size. And you've got a back, a neck rest, like a, like a car. It's, it's very high up behind your head. Oh, it even goes higher. It, it has, it's hugely adjustable. Or you can get rid of it completely. Yes. There you go. Yeah, some headrests on the market actually kind of make your neck go into a bad posture if you don't mm -hmm. want it. So this one gets right out of the way. And what about lumbar support? That's a big one for me. I have a sway back in there, so I'm always looking for something to lean against. It never quite hits my back. Yes, yeah, so we have infinite five inches of back height adjustment and a very pronounced lumbar, and you can get air lumbar, pump it up even more if you need yeah. it, because it's crucial that it's in the right spot and yes. that it's enough for you, and that's the thing that's probably the most often deficient I in other chairs. I have honestly bought a car because it had that feature in it, and the lumbar support was movable enough and deep enough for me to... The lateral yeah, is usually what's missing. Yes, exactly. So that's very I'm beginning cute. to realize, you know, we spend hours. It's what they say, sitting is the new smoking. Um, yes. In 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 a chair that that is no good for us. Like you really, this is like going and having your your shoes fit. Or mm -hmm. a bed. Or a bed. Mm -hmm. Would you not go and have a proper fitting or lie down or really try exactly. to bed Absolutely. So do you recommend that people do that if you're setting up? An office or you're even at home, you have a desk and have somebody come we, in and really absolutely. fit you for Either it. Either have someone come in and, and do what I would call a workstation analysis or you come down to our showroom and get a proper fitting from one of our uh, trained um, salespeople. And, uh, come and you're right there. downtown on King Street, right? Right at the King Edward King Hotel. King Edward Hotel. Wow. That's easy to remember. Yes. Do you, do you sort of service, what, all of Ontario or... Toronto world, yeah, <laughs> the we're, world. We're across North America and into Europe. Yes. Oh wow. wow, that's incredible! And you and you just came up with this about 1990, or was it your wife? 29 years ago. 29. No, she was a physiotherapist. Right. And I was a lawyer, and I went into this business to take advantage of her knowledge. So I got into this to make ergonomic chairs to to reduce the stresses that seating caused. As a physio, she was saying, back pain is the one thing I have the most difficulty curing right. once they have the problem. And Ergonomic chairs, the idea is to prevent it from happening in the first place. 
Are you also an engineer, or did you? How did this? Whole no, I, I think I have more of an engineer's mind than a legal mind. <laughs> so I have about twenty patents in my name. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. But I have to hire lawyers whenever I have a legal issue. So. Oh, that must be frustrating. <laughs> so, <laughs> so these are primarily adult chairs. You do do them for younger people too. Students, I would think, would be interesting schools. We do get a lot of students in for. I mean, think about out of twenty-four hours a day. Exactly. We sit for 17. If we can do a quick breakdown, it's sleeping for hopefully eight hours a, a night. You get up and you sit down for breakfast. There's one hour. You commute possibly for another hour. You get into work, you're sitting for seven to eight hours. Mm -hmm. You sit on your lunch, your breaks. Those, those people who please eat at your desk, get away from it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be doing... Uh, Mm -hmm. I get up now because I'm sitting all, I'm sitting all day. I get up and I, and I walk and there's a lot of stairs. I sort of do a circuit for about five minutes and go Good. And, and, Good. and sit back down again. But what about the stand-up desks? Those we sell those too. Mm -hmm. And one thing we like to guard against is companies who buy them. If they don't see everybody standing, they think they wasted their money. <laughs> the, the value in them is if you look at our, my company, everybody has a height adjustable desk and they're all at a different height. So everybody's used them to make the desk the perfect height for them while they're sitting. Being able to stand and work for five minutes an hour is a bonus, but you really don't want to stand for more than that. You can develop problems if you stand all day, too. So there's lots of information available on your website. That's ergocentric.com, um, or you can visit one of the showrooms, as you said, in the King Edward Hotel, where, as I understand it, on Monday, you are celebrating the grand opening, and Dr. Roberta Bondar will be there, Canada's first female astronaut, and she would know a lot about proper-fitting equipment. Yes, we're very excited to have her there because she had her own ergonomic issues with NASA, providing her with men's gloves instead of gloves that fit her to allow her to do her job. <laughs> and It's still happening because there was a woman that did not have a spacesuit that fit her properly. 27 years later. Maybe you should get into space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm having enough, I'm having enough <laughs> difficulty now. So. Thank you. 105.9 The Region. Everywhere you are. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. And joining us now for Saturday Night at the Movies is our lovely and talented film critic, <laughs> Anne Brody. Now, Disney's first live-action Aladdin is here, and Markham's own uh, Mena Masood has the title role, and you say, prepare to be wowed and charmed. He is sensational. Not only is he super cute, he has such talent. He can sing, he can dance, he can do it all... He has tremendous screen magnetism, and that's not everybody in the movies. He's got it. And, of course, he plays a street kid, Aladdin. You know the right. story. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a lamp. There's a genie. Who there's is? There's a Will Smith. A and Will I Smith. i got to tell you. I mean, I'm not being paid to say this, but Will Smith is out of this world. We knew he could rap. 
and do some. And that's know, how he dancing. made it his own, because of course Robin Williams was the mm-hmm. was the the animated. voice, was the yeah. animated version, yeah. and and a lot of that, as I understand, was was ad libbed as, as it for would Robin. be. Yes, so, and that must be pretty hard though for an actor to take take over such a. But I got to tell you, role. he does it. He is he was not cowed at all from the looks of it. He has such verve, such masculinity, and and humor. He just beams radiation. And this is why the film stars Will Smith, even though it's not the lead role, mm-hmm. not Mina. But Mina's really good. So it's so worth seeing. It's huge. It's colorful with all these acid colors. It's so attractive. And gold, the Arabic design. Um, and, you know, despite all that, it stays kind of old school, which is nice. It's not high tech at all in my mind. I think a lot of it must have been practical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So very much worth seeing. Okay, awesome. What about um, the Gordon Lightfoot doc? I got to tell you, I have seen hundreds and hundreds of music documentaries. Mm-hmm. This is way up there. This could be the best. <laughs> <laughs> really? really? Yes, and it's our own Gordon Lightfoot. What makes it so... The way he speaks, his incredible life... You know, choir boy to country hoedown singer to Yorkville guy to international. And he's still working at age 80. He's, he has his wits about him. He's, he's remembers everything. And there's a lot of bold type names in the film, an awful lot of them, American and Canadian. But he is the focus of it. it the, the focus never pulls away from him. And, of course, he explains the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time he sung it, and it was the first take and only take that they did. Really? That's wild. I mean, I'm getting shivers. That song is so beautiful, and everybody loves it. Um, You know, and it goes through. Remember when he used to do all the concerts every spring, Mm -hmm. either at Mm -hmm. Roy Thompson or Massey Hall? Mm -hmm. And he closed Massey for the renovations. Mm -hmm. So I I did see him once. I hope to see him again. Does he say anything about living opposite Drake? He he doesn't actually say much about living next oh. to him, but it is interesting that these two Canadian icons who express themselves and are so adored by Canadians are living next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> then now, um, Kenneth Branagh is is back. Yes. What all is true? All is true was the was the original title of Henry VIII. Okay. And uh, it's a weird little story about. Um, Shakespeare going home to Stratford-upon-Avon when the Globe Theatre burned down in London. Now, it burned to the ground, so I don't know what they were digging up a few years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, yes, so he came back. He never wrote anything again. And his family was not, his wife and, and two daughters were not terribly happy to see him because he had virtually abandoned them. 20 years earlier when their son Hamnet died Mm -hmm. and he just merrily went on and and wrote his plays and left. Uh, So, you know, it's about a family getting together again or trying to, uh, much like a lion in winter. Um, And, but the look is so beautiful. It's, it mostly seems to take place in, in an apple orchard and it's so idyllic and so English country. And you can see that, Nature inspires him. He talks a lot about flora and fauna in his plays. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, uh, okay. yeah. What about what if? Well, 
Hmm. It's Netflix. It's a thriller anthology um, starring Renee Zellweger, and she plays this almost supernatural type character, businesswoman who who offers to help a struggling young woman save her company if she can spend a night with her husband. Mm-hmm. This is the cheesiest thing I've ever seen on TV. <laughs> okay, I want to know about National Geographic. I didn't know they did thrillers, but apparently the hot zone is it thrilling. Is so good. So good. And I had no clue, and I'm sure you guys didn't either, that the Ebola virus was actually in Washington. It was contained, but there were, <laughs> you'll see, you'll see there were several times when it, it was in danger of being released to the public. It dripped out of a car trunk for instance, when they were taking it from one secure location to another. And Julia Margulies plays a, an army colonel, and it's her job, and vir- virologist, and it's her job to, to contain it and to keep people from panicking. But it takes you to Africa where the natives tell the explorers the forest is bleeding and the villagers burn themselves and the village in order to contain it. It's very well done. Thank you, Anne. Well, there are more movie and TV reviews up now on WhatSheSaidTalk.com. Now, this is big. You sat down with Mina Masood, who plays Aladdin in the all-new live-action remake, and he grew up in Markham. So let's take a listen. What are you doing? Sometimes, princess. Sometimes you just have to take a risk. (gasps) Mina, I was so delighted to hear that you won the part. Someone from Markham. <laughs> thank you. Wow. Thank you. Yes. That was incredible. So we've been waiting for a long time for this. That's what she said. There you go. That, the right? God love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love That's it. That's our promo. There you go. There you go. Um, this role is dates back to folk legend, I would yeah. assume, like a thousand years ago or something. Yeah. And there have been so many iterations from film, musicals, uh, TV, and video games, everything, even mm. manga. Yes. So what's it like to step into this incredible history of this beloved character and story? Um, you know, it means a lot to me. I, I obviously grew up with the animation. But well, you're a bit young to have seen it in the theater, right? I am indeed. I think the first time I saw it was probably back in Egypt. My sisters had it playing on at the house all the time. But my parents knew of the story before uh, Disney ever made you know, Aladdin, oh, cool. because obviously... They're Egyptian, and they grew up uh, with the folk tale of the genie and the lamp. Um, so it means a lot to me to get to play him now, and uh, he was one of the only characters that I could relate to growing up that looked like me, had a similar culture to me. So, uh, you know, I'm honored. That's What a great feeling. And yeah. now you're doing it, so... Yes, I hope we've done it justice for the younger generation and, uh, you know, for, for the older generation. I, this movie really speaks to, to everyone. Well, you've you've made the filmmakers proud. You did such a great job. Thank you very much. You know, he's very charming. He can be kind of dazzling. Um, he's a he's a a whole created character. He's he's complete. Thank you. So, very what much. did you bring to him that maybe only you knew about? You know, I tried to pull uh, as much from me as possible. When I was in high school and elementary school growing up, I I was certainly the minority. Um, You know, I looked different. I spoke a different language at home, ate different food. um, And Aladdin's like that in a lot of ways. He's loved in his community, but he's also an outcast. He keeps to himself. Um, He lost his parents very young. Um, So I just wanted to bring as much of that to him, you know, as possible. Now... 
I'm sure you're naturally athletic, but yeah. how on earth did you prepare for that? Some of those jumps were just like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, we had a great stunt team. Uh, Hazit Savani did an incredible job with me as well. And um, we had six weeks of prep where we just kind of prepped for the film before we even started shooting. So uh, I'd wake up every morning, I'd work out with my trainer, weight training, and then I'd work out with the stunt team. We started just implementing uh, somersaults and uh, cartwheels and uh, flips and slides and we kind of just built built and from, from there. heights. Yes, uh, <laughs> you know I uh, that one big jump they wouldn't let me do because of insurance purposes. All right, but uh, I had some flips that I got to do and 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 you know the underwater scenes. It was it was a great experience. Yeah, and you know what a great cast and Jasmine is such a heroine yes. to so many girls and yes. I guess you were aware of that so you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I have two older sisters. So, yes, um, you're so, well versed. Uh, yeah, I understood that, and we've really done, we've really focused on uh, fleshing out her character. You know, she has a new best friend now that Nassim Pedrad plays. So we tried to even the playing field a little bit. It's not just Aladdin that has all these amazing friends. Jasmine now has a best friend that she can confide in, and um, you know, I, I think it has some great new aspects. Now. Have you had any evidence of this changing your career to date? Um, you know, I, I can't say I have. I've certainly, you know, people are paying a little bit more attention, but I'm still having to go in and, uh, you know, fight for the roles and uh, things like that. So so we'll see. We'll see. But it's part of being an actor. You know, you have to go in and kind of win, win the roles. Win the roles, yes. Yeah. Well, you're Canadian, you'll be fine. We <laughs> do well you. down there. Thanks. Yeah, we do, we do. Congratulations on this, I mean, it's Th wonderful. Thank you very much, thank you. Is this? A magic carpet. Do you trust me? What did you say? Do you trust me? What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So, let's get... A, a Meridian 5-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. totally! Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. Fear of missing out? FOMO flies out the door when you listen to Lena. Who knew? I hope everyone will know by the end of this segment. Every time you come in, you have such great news to share with us. Oh, thank you. I love sharing great news. Yes, I want everyone to know about it because it is such a great cause. I almost had tears in my eyes. Yeah. It is phenomenal. OMG. OMG. <laughs> Join What She Said Weekends and find out what lifestyle blogger Lena Almeida is loving. Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Elizabeth.
Elizabeth Crossley Wright is the first designer to merge the world of fashion and sustainability. The Global Goals Collection takes inspiration from the 17 Global Sustainability Goals issued by the UN back in 2015. Now, the line has received acclaim from Will I Am, Bono, Sir David Attenborough, and Matt Damon's. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you so much for having me. And now from us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's beautiful. Thank you very much for bringing us in some lovely bracelets. But what inspired you to create a brand with such principles? I think I've always been really enamored with uh, the idea of storytelling and maybe using a, another medium than just words. So, and I always thought, you know, jewelry is such a, we've, for centuries, for, since the beginning of time, we've used jewelry to express our identities, whether it's a tribal piece of jewelry or it's our wedding bands, or mm -hmm. in the olden days, sailors would wear an earring so they could always pay their way into the death, um, to, to the land of death, because you know, you had to have coin on you. So jewelry mm -hmm. has had so many purposes. And I thought we need to connect that very intimate feeling that you have with a piece of jewelry and that personal connection. We need that connect connect that with a bigger issue, such as the global goals. Why don't we tell people what are some of the 17 goals put in place by the UN? So it's, it's really quite extraordinary because UN is, is a big club for the whole world to, to work on some some big issues. But what's so different about this time is that in 2015, they launched 17 goals, basically a path for a better world. Um, but what's unique about this time is that there's 193 countries that have signed up. So it's really worldwide. And more than 15,000 corporates. And it's big corporates such as Danone, L'Oreal, SAP, that are massive, massive supporters of this. Uh, and they uh, engage through their employees. And so mm -hmm. it really is much more powerful this time because we have um, corporates behind. But some of the goals are, for instance, goal number, f number one is no poverty. Goal number two is zero hunger. Uh, goal number three is uh, good health and well-being. Goal number four is uh, good quality education. Goal number five is equality. Clean water is number six. Clean energy is number seven. You're doing well. So you know, you know, you've I, got the, I know them by heart. But, but, but basically, so it's not political, but it's so, you know, no matter what you care about, if, you, if you're huge into animal rights or you're huge into uh, education or, or climate change, there is a goal that you can connect with this. You can find your course, whatever that may be. So it's really clever, I think. And how did you connect um, a specific piece of jewelry to a goal? I didn't want it. You know, as, as much as I think it's fantastic with the, with the bow for the red bow for AIDS or the pink one for, for cancer, you know, you tend to wear that during breast cancer month or something. I wanted something that was almost like discreet activism. So I thought, okay, what is the story of each goal? I wanted you know, you to be able to wear your bracelet today and think for yourself, it's a beautiful piece of jewelry and it means something to you, but not necessarily, may not always feel like broadcasting your mm -hmm. courses. So I just interpreted, uh, you know, every single piece, like your piece with the with the energy is is a ball of energy with you know, this gold with small diamonds on. Your piece with the community is a, a diamond shape to sort of signify that a community has to be as, as solid, as strong as a diamond. So I just interpreted the way I... I felt they should mm. be interpreted. What's the reaction that you've had? Really fantastic. So we, we sort of did a soft launch at the World Economic Forum in, in Davos in January. And uh, we, we sold the, the, the pieces in the gift shop. And it was just fantastic. You know, I sp spoke to Bono from U2 who, who said to me, Oh, Elizabeth, you know, it's you and me, the artists. We need to really 
work and engage people and inspire them. And I was thinking, you and me, Bono. You know, I've <laughs> <laughs> been listening to him. Haven't we all and thought I, that at some stage? And you know, he was holding my hand and kissing me on the cheek. And I said to my husband, "It's not cheating, it's Bono, is it?" And he said, no, "It, it is. You get get your paws off him." A, that's a, that's so a whole you know, pass. but but so he go. was one, and and uh, I, you know, will I am. Love the the owl for the uh, for for the for the education. It's goal mm-hmm. number four. I, I chose an owl for wisdom, and I said, "Why do you love the owl so much?" Because he was like, "Oh my god, I love it! I owls are my favorite animal." I said, "Why?" And he said very sweetly, "He says, well, because I came from a really really um, sort of empowered upbringing, um, it, the impoverished upbringing mm-hmm. in LA. I didn't have a lot of opportunity, and my name is Will, and I've done everything in my life because I said I will do this. And if you said quickly in American, it's I'll do it. So therefore, I'll do an it. Owl, owl is my sign. Oh, so, that's so that was quite funny. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Now you you cast the pieces, and then they're manufactured. Uh, in developing countries, yeah, that, that's the whole other part. You know, that yeah, one part is that. one part is to actually create some awareness around this, to engage and inspire, and another thing is to actually make these pieces within the global goals. So, sustainable production, decent work, uh, not taking any toll on the climate. So, we try to find small workshops in Afghanistan, in um, Africa, in. Jordan, you know, we're we're working with a platform that that can introduce us to these uh, artisans, and so you actually by by wearing a piece, you're really giving opportunity to someone directly. How many pieces are there? Seventeen. Seventeen for pieces. this, yes, one for each of the goals, yeah. And they're all bracelets. They're so they are actually charms. So I just I made some of them into bracelets, and you can have yeah. them as a bracelet or a necklace. We also have a charm bracelet we can put all seventeen on. So, you know, if if, if oh, you wanted nice that. Idea. But it's it's kind of to collect the And where are like. they available? All over the world? So they're available on some um, on our website, but they're also available on, on Moda Perandi, Maisonette, uh, Broken English. There's some big retail websites in the So US. how do you top this now, Elizabeth? I think I just wanted to continue this. I just think this is, uh, I just Good think, enough. you know, it's an interesting way to engage. Well, I know how you top it. Okay. You recently secured a coveted Canadian Arts and Fashion Impact Award nomination, which is very yes. exciting. Yeah. So tell us uh, about what that means and what, what the Impact Award stands for. Well, I think for me, it really means something to be recognized. Whether we win or not, That's that would be amazing if we did. But it's more, you know, that someone has noticed that we're doing this and it's an important cause and, you know, we can use it to broadcast the initiative a bit more. So, you know, that's it means a lot to be recognized, I think. So w- explain why you believe um, so much in the importance of merging fashion and sustainability. Well, I mean, fashion is the second largest polluter after agriculture, you know. Uh, is it really? Yeah. You know, and, and all the clothes that isn't textile bought, waste, you know, it's yeah. burnt. Nine out of ten mm-hmm. pieces of clothing are burnt. And and it takes such a toll on on the environment to create fashion. You know, I think it's forty thousand liters to create one pair of jeans, of, of water to wash them properly. Mm-hmm. You know, I um I think you know we have to can have that responsibility to to not just buy blindly, but to understand that it actually has a huge impact on the environment and on the world how we use fashion. So I think those two things must be connected. Well, that's amazing. I mean, I'm hearing things for the first time here. I did not realize that fashion was the second yeah. mm. biggest 
polluter. Mm-hmm. It is. But is there a way of really changing that? I think, you know, I'm always telling the story. I used to smoke and I loved smoking. I just thought it was so fun. I used to smoke too. I lo- we love smoking you know, too. I just thought, and I, I, with a glass of wine and a coffee, I sort of felt young and sexy until in 2006 in London they implemented a smoking ban. And suddenly you weren't inside the cafe looking lovely. You were standing outside freezing in the rain. That, to me, was not, you know, who I wanted to be. And I th- so I, I stopped within the month. But I think it's the same with, with fashion and, and sustainability. I think we're fostering a generation of, of kids and young people who are who asking every time they buy something, where's this from? Who made this? Mm-hmm. Do I need this? I, and I think it happens quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think we're the old ones who have to sort of, because we, we come from the old agenda, but I really think that the gen- generation to come will, will support this fully. And, yes, it, and yet it's interesting because they're also the generation of disposable fashion. So they buy Fast lots of fashion, stuff that's yeah. are, that are, it's cheap, and if in three months they don't like it, it's yes, gone. Yes, but I mean, you, you, see, you see very, very slowly, you know, H&M are doing a sustainable collection, and it, it's, it's there. It's, it's coming. It's creeping in. I think once you know, you can't unknow. You know, it's very hard to do something that you know, and it's out in society. It's not only you who know it, but the whole society knows this is damaging. Then it's hard to keep justifying it, and I think it'll be a change. Now, you're based in Montreal. Yeah. Um, but everyone can find you and connect with you on your website, which is withlovedarling.com. Where did that name come from? It's quite funny, actually. I wanted the whole, I love that whole idea of giving something with love, you know, the exchange mm-hmm. between two people. And withlove.com was actually available except it was 92,000 US dollars to buy that domain. <laughs> I'm sitting in my kitchen with my husband, who is English from, from mm. London, and always calls me darling. So he said, well, why don't you try it with lovedarling.com? So I put that in, and that was $2.99. Sold! So I thought, we have a name. And actually, I like that better now. So. Well, the pieces are really beautiful, and uh, we wish you all the best with, with everything you're doing. And you, all you so your social media is with love, darling. It's right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is 105.9 The Region. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. (sighs) Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Have you met my friend Alfred? He's revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You know, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services is here to help. Wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your items with your concierge or at any Penguin pickup location in the GTA and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time discount by entering the promo code what she said. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest, and lovable. Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler.
us now in studio is four-time Canadian Folk Music Awards nominee Tamara Alana. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you. You're Toronto-born and grew up touring internationally, singing in multiple languages, dancing flamenco, and I understand you put out your first <laughs> album at the age of five? Yes, so that album was with my mother, but uh, yes, I did a few with her, and now I'm on my third uh, solo album. Wow, that's amazing. Um, tell us about your third album. It's called Mistral? Yes, and it's uh, coming out, at least the physical copies in Toronto, pre-online, uh, is coming out on Sunday, tomorrow at the Aga Khan Museum, mm-hmm. and it has uh, multiple languages. It has some flamenco and Spanish. It has Ladino from the Sephardic Jews of Greece and Turkey and Morocco, Arabic, Hebrew, a bit of French, uh, Romani. <laughs> and what is it about <laughs> flamenco that draws you? Oh, I love it. It's just uh, a way of life, I guess. I've been dancing flamenco since I was seven. It's just pure passion. Anything you're feeling, you can really express uh, through that art form. Well, you, you actually moved to Seville, mm-hmm. yes, Spain, I did. For, and you studied for a yes. year, full-time. Yes, and then I went back for a few months, and I, I go back as much as I can. I lived also a year in Barcelona, and I've been going to Spain since I was five or so, always going back and forth and immersing myself in the art of flamenco, yeah. What's next for you? What's next? Wow, good question. Next, uh, well, I've begun working with um, some pop producers here in Toronto, and uh, mixing my world music sound with more of a pop sound and seeing kind of what happens there. That's next. That's next. So are there, are there now you are Tamar Ilana is yes. what you are all over Facebook, your social media. Yes. How do people, can they just connect through those social sites to get yep. your music? Yes, they can. Uh, on Spotify also, it's under Ventanas, the name of the band, of my band. V-E-N-T-A-N-A-S. It means windows in Spanish. You knew I was going to ask you to spell that, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you did. So what would you say your greatest inspiration has been? Like what, what first, mm-hmm. where did you first hear the flamenco? Uh, in Spain, I guess, when I was a kid. I think I saw a show in Madrid and uh, I took a class when I was a kid. I told my mom I want to do that and she was like, well, go talk to the dancer. And your mom... You said you you performed when you were five. You made the album with her, so she yeah. Is a performer so she's as well? a great inspiration as well. She's an ethnomusicologist and a performer. So I grew up really singing and traveling with her, singing on stage and performing with her since I can remember. Yeah. So, uh, other than other than Spanish music, uh, mm-hmm. what really moves you that you've come across in your covering yeah. all the different ethnic kind of music? Um, two other musics that I really love and am passionate about are uh, Ukrainian polyphonic. Harmonies singing. I've done a lot of uh, shows and work within the Ukrainian community in Toronto and tours and stuff. And also, um, like the harmonies just blow me away. The style of singing is incredible. I've learned a lot. And also, Afro Brazilian maracatu, which is um, from the northeast of Brazil. And it's a style of uh, drumming and singing that I've been playing for 12 or 13 years as well. Well, fabulous. Well, well, we can't wait. So let's just sign off here. That's it for what she said this weekend. We will be back again next Saturday at noon right here on 105.9 The Region. Singing us out now in our studio sessions. Here is Tamar Ilana performing Marbella.
come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.